With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan. And we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Batter up. For the first time ever. We are combining forces. Tonight is an episode of, we haven't decided if it's a, a pod of the show or a pod the show or a pod, I don't know what we're calling it, but it's a combination show between Amazing Avenue Audio, the show, and a pod of our own. And so I am Brian. With me tonight are my friends Allison and Linda. Hello, folks. This is fun. Hey, Brian. Hi, Brian. Super psyched about this crossover episode. I know we did like that crazy week where we did crossovers on all the podcasts, but I don't think that this was the exact combination when we did that. I remember I was on From Complex to Queens for that, so and very I, exciting to have this particular crossover. I believe I did Unformidable for that. So I, I was on the show with Chris, so this oh, okay. is my second time on the show. <laughs> oh, okay, and this is my first time on a pato, so this is good. <laughs> Um, it's like a complete reshuffling of it all. It's yes. awesome. But so it just worked out that uh, Chris and I were supposed to record tonight, and Chris had a work emergency, so he can't be here. And then you guys are down a co-host for this week, and so it, we thought it would be fun to to combine everything and, and bring these shows together. So um, we also have so much to talk about. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like so, God. So, sometimes, sometimes these shows are like, all right, how can we stretch five minutes of content into 40 minutes? But tonight, we, we legitimately have a ton to discuss. So for those that have been living under a rock, uh, the sale from the, of the Mets from the, the Wilpons to Steve Cohen officially went through on Friday. On Friday, Cohen cleaned house of many of the Mets front office personnel, including GM Brody Van Wagenen. 
assistant to the GM, Omar Minaya, Allard Baird, uh, uh, just sort of everybody in the front office that wasn't an Alderson hire or John Rico were just completely wiped out. And so yesterday, Tuesday, uh, was the Cohen and Sandy Alderson introductory press conference. And I know that you guys are not going to watch it live, but what were your general impressions of the Cohen presser from what you read and the highlights that you saw? Well, I was kind of following the live tweets and I was like, oh my God, like, I didn't know if they were real or not because it was almost <laughs> too good to be true. <laughs> I was like, I hope these people aren't lying right now. Um, especially when he said Black Lives Matter. I almost like fell off my chair at my desk at work. I was like, I really hope these people aren't like shitting me right now. Like that just like just came out of left field. But I don't know like what what the lead up to that was that or or something. But I, I can I can tell you what the lead up to that was because okay. I, I, I was watching it. Um, so somebody asked him about just like the general tenor in baseball right now and in, in the country how protests and you know basically how do we how do you plan on I guess. I don't want to say like interfacing with that. That that's kind of the wrong way to put it. But they were just asking like what what you, you know, just just sort of how the general tenor of social justice has impacted our country, but also baseball. And his quote was, "I think these are important questions that America is discussing. Black lives do matter. I think it's important to have a diverse set of employees, not just for diversity's sake, but for diversity of thought." Wow, wow. It's just like I think that. I mean, obviously, I think it's easy to go a little too too far with these things as far as, like, our expectations of, like, who Cohen is as a person. Um, but even to just hear something as simple as that mm. is revolutionary in this context. Yes. Um, I saw even one... to hear something... Yeah, I saw one person ask, is he the first owner to say it? To say those exact words, as far as I know, as far as I know too. But I, I am not, an, I am not a, uh, a reliable yeah. source on this. Like you know, the yeah, social medias have tweeted it, but has any like owner actually come out and said it? And I, like, I know if that, he has, then like you said, that's revolutionary. I know that in the immediate aftermath of George Floyd and, and the protests, and if if you guys recall, all the teams were releasing these like milk toast yeah. sort of statements. Um, and I remember that the Orioles went further than everybody else. And I'm trying to remember if there's an actual like Angelos Black Lives Matter quote that was involved in that. And I can't remember because like of all the ownership groups, at least that like I'm familiar with, um, he I would say that he would be the most likely <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. to have potentially said it um but i don't i cannot confirm that he actually has said those words out loud um but yeah and like even something as simple as that and even something as simple because that should be the bare minimum right but in mm -hmm. but the bar is in hades at this point for these people um but <laughs> and even something as simple for as like i'm not in this to make money like that should be like something that a lot of owners say because mm. that's the way that the culture should be. And yet it is revolutionary to hear that out of an owner's mouth. Yeah, it, it's crazy to me because, you know, and I know if Kellyanne was here, she'd be yelling at all of us that, you know, that he's a ghoul and he's a billionaire mm -hmm. and all that. And I, I don't disagree with any of that. But I just think that there is such a sharp contrast 
in the way he is thinking about this team versus how the Wilpons thought about this team. Now, the Wilpons did not need the Mets to be rich. The Wilpons were rich outside of the Mets, even if they didn't always act like it, they were, right? But Cohen is basically saying, my my wealth is not the reason. I mean, it's the reason he's there because, you know, he needs to be wealthy to buy the team. But the, he is not in this in order to line his pockets more. He's in this because he's a Mets fan. And that just seems, it shouldn't be shocking that, a, that an owner said that. Yeah. But it, but it absolutely is. Right. Or that he said that, they want to win like that was revolutionary yes <laughs> um why is that so like earth shattering but right now it is especially given the state of baseball and given the state of you know the Mets the past 30 years I, I think the Wilpons did desperately want to win though they did. I think they really did want to win I think that was like the one thing they were incompetent at attempting it but I think that the one thing that you can kind of give them credit for, and I'm not trying to like be revisionist history on the Wilpons by any stretch of the imagination, like they were bad. Let's let's put that let's get that out of the way. Um, but I think that one thing that you can give them at least is that they they did want to win. They did want the team to win. They were just bad at executing it. <laughs> yes. Yeah, but they, and also, it was my dream. I know, like. You're not into hockey, Allison, and I don't know about you, Brian, but... I'm not, but that's okay. Uh, um, It was my dream. Like, Rangers Dolan is, like, the dream owner. Like, just hire good people, sign the checks, and get out of the way. Like, now that Henrik Lundqvist isn't on the Rangers anymore, I doubt Dolan knows anybody on the team. Like, <laughs> just completely hands-off, just, okay, who do you want? I'll sign the check, whatever. Like, he's so Jekyll and Hyde between the Knicks and the Rangers, and the Rangers version is the ideal owner, and that's what came across to me from Cohen, too, when he said, I only played Little League, like, I don't, like, I haven't played baseball since Little League, I'm gonna let the baseball people do their jobs, and, oh, the best quote was, I don't want uh, anybody learning on my dime, I was like, oh, (laughs) yeah that's pretty good yeah i think that's the starkest contrast with the Wilpons. really yeah. was his yeah. attitude toward like i'm not a baseball man and i'm not gonna pretend i am like yeah. i'm just a fan with lots of money yeah and, and i want to hire the toy, best more or less. yeah yeah <laughs> so uh, that was a good contrast too was you know the Wilpon. i mean there's something to be said for giving people a chance, and I get it, but that's also not the best way of maybe building a team that's sustainable or, you know, he, you he know, builds a good culture. Yeah, he was specifically talking about the president of baseball operations. And so I think, okay. that, there, I think that there's plenty of room for people who are new to a position in his framework but in terms of the person who's running the show i i think he wants he wants a pro and i think that's a completely fair position to take mm-hmm. yeah uh you know i i think that a lot of us maybe got googly-eyed at at brody because he was this young incredibly good-looking incredibly charismatic <laughs> dude and like i know i've met brody twice and let me tell you i would I would have done anything he asked me to do at that point. <laughs> like he just he just has a way with people. He's super he's super funny and charming and I was talking to, me and Chris were talking to him at the Stephen Matt's charity bowling event 
And he stopped at one point and was like, is this off the record? And we're like, of course. And then he dropped the most benign story of all time. <laughs> like, you thought he was going to say, like, you know, this is off the record. I'm high. Of, I'm, I'm tripping balls right now. Like, you know, nothing. It was just like he said the most benign thing. But he was just so charming and fun. And I think when you watch him, you thought, like, here's a really smart young guy who's going to grow into this job. And no offense to Brody, he never really did that. No, granted, he wasn't really given the chance to do that either. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I, I think Cohen made it clear that, you know, his hires are going to be far more Aldersonian than Van Wagenen. Yeah, for sure. Well, can I just say I have a special place in my heart for Brody since he got me in my mans. <laughs> yes, that is fair. It was arguably his best move as general manager. And he did get Strowman. Like, is Strowman his legacy now? Strowman and Davis are his legacy, yeah. Yeah, I, know, I, and I, I guess know. I mean, it's Edwin. not as sexy as those other two, but I would throw um, Justin Wilson into yeah. that triumvirate because that was actually like a legitimately good thing that Alders that uh, Alderson, geez, Van Wagenen did. Yes, and I think if Van Wagenen had a better ownership group behind him and had more time and insert Money. other yeah exactly insert <laughs> other good things here he, he could have done a decent job but but he just didn't um and maybe he wasn't surrounded by like this like laughable franchise you know what i'm saying like it's yes. not just it's not just the ownership at the top it's like the way that they ran the ship was not conducive to anyone's success agreed he, yeah he wasn't put in a position to succeed at all i wonder and this is a topic for a different day but do you think he'll ever get another job in baseball in this capacity? I could see him being like a consultant in a front office or because, you know, he has seen the other side now. So now he knows both angles. Like he knows the agent side and I granted it's a dysfunctional front office side, <laughs> but it's still a front office side. Someone should hire him to be the PR rep for the for a front office. Oh, absolutely. Because, like, yeah. <laughs> good at that <laughs> yeah i mean his introductory press conference we're like yeah we're ready to run through a wall for this guy like he said all the right things like he he could very easily do pr and like sell you anything and you'll be willing to believe it 100%. it's the squidward um oh no he's hot, hot i know <laughs> and, also, and i think he did have like his heart was in the right place with a lot of like, I think he's a good person. Oh yeah. Unlike, like some smarmy like snake oil salesman. Like I think he did genuinely care. Let me also say the invitation is there for him to come on any of our shows <laughs> whenever he wants to. <laughs> if Brody wants yes. to talk, I want to listen. So although I had a tea, Brody, <laughs> I don't know if I told you that my coworker's son is best friends with his son. Oh really? Yeah. <laughs> and um. He took him to games and like Brody's son ended up going to a different school this year because they were in high school. And so her nephew was like, do you think he'll still want to be friends with me? And but, you know, she said they started like a drive for like to help, for, to help like food pantries and things this year. And she said anytime her nephew met Brody, he was like, oh, so who do you think I should sign or how do you think I'm doing? And he took him to games. He like. Drove him in his Porsche to a game. That's awesome. So, so he did seem like like he made her nephew feel included anytime he was around. So he, I think he is just a genuinely decent person. 
Yeah. And I think that um, that moment that we got, like, I'm so glad that we got that hot mic moment at the yes. end of Cody Van yes. Wagenen's tenure where yes. he, like, totally dunked on Rob Manfred <laughs> because that endeared me to him so much more. Forever. And I think it's going to keep his memory, like, so much better in my mind than it would have been if we didn't have that. We have so much more to talk about, but I have to share a Brody story because uh, yes. I'm never on a potto. And so if, if there's someone who doesn't listen to the show, I want them to hear this. So it's spring training earlier this year i can't believe that was 2020 it feels like a decade ago oh my I, god i know is I, there people at spring this year really yeah i was there it was i was one of them and uh so i, <laughs> I was i was standing like uh kind of on the third base line just like in front of some stands and i looked next to me and brody's right there and so i said hey brody you're never gonna remember me brian salvatore amazing and I was, oh yeah we talked to the mats thing he remembered who i was which is oh. fucking crazy um, and we were talking, and he was he was laughing, and we were having a good time. But he was he was very intently watching the game, and that's the game that um, uh, Tebow ate shit in the outfield, where he tripped <laughs> over his own feet. And so right. it was at that moment. So I, and he just went, "Oh shit!" <laughs> like that, like real quietly, <laughs> just like I don't think he knew I heard him, but just like. And, and it was this very humanizing moment. <laughs> Relatable content. Yeah. And then I said, like, all right, man, I'm going to let you go. Have a good day. And I just walked away. <laughs> Amazing. Oh, I love it so much. <laughs> yeah. So, fare thee well, Brody Van Wagenen. Yeah. Good try. Your heart was in the right place. And, yeah, God, good luck and God bless. Exactly. Um, so, <laughs> let's see. What else happened in the Cohen presser? Um I, I think it was – I think him mentioning doing an old-timers day is great. Yes. Bringing yes. that back would be awesome. And just that, you know, I I wrote that piece a while ago about how they can honor their history better. And, yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, that, that's, you know, one of them. But it's just, you know, it's sad that, you know, they – just trot out the same sad alumni like events like oh it's always John Franco and it's always you know and like when was the last time like Johan Santana was around the club or R.A. Dickey or you know anybody and you know just they had such bad relationships with the Wilpons and I'm just hoping it's a fresh start for everybody, for the entire organization, the alumni included, because it would be, I mean, having Pedro, like, talking to DeGrom would just be outstanding, like, in spring training, or or just have him in the booth, because he's just so smart and just so interesting to talk to, and he, he's compared himself to DeGrom, and so, like, you know, he's not... You know, you don't think of Pedro and think Mets, but he is an alumni. So just from the old timers day to maybe retiring more numbers, but it seemed at least Cohen's open to that. Well, I don't know about the retiring the numbers, but at least, you know, acknowledge- and he said the Seaver statue too would be ready, right? Yes, he did. Yeah. Yep. On opening day. So it seems like he has, you know, his priorities are in the right place. I mean, dude gets it. His his first yeah. match game was in the polo grounds. <laughs> like, you know, yeah, he, he's been real. a fan forever. Um, if he's smart, and he certainly is, he should. they should make Wright's title official, make David Wright an official team ambassador or something. Mm-hmm. Because I think that David Wright is maybe the only alumni, aside from John Franco, 
the only alum who shows up to everything they ask him to. Yeah. And so yeah. tap that guy who should be at every event because you know he has relationships with Dickie and Santana and all those folks he played with, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, for happen. sure. Like, even Curtis Granderson. Like, he's such a great ambassador. Like, I just want to see Grandy, like, back in the organization in some capacity. And it's like, how many, like, how many owners have, like, have there ever been players tweeting gifts like Noah Syndergaard just did of himself, <laughs> like, well, not himself, but, like, a gif of, like, someone running through a brick wall in response to <laughs> Steve Cohen and Marcus Stroman already tweeting, like, I can't wait to talk to you. I'm so excited to play for you and stuff like that. Like, I remember, like, the players tweeting a lot of that sort of, or the more online players, I should say, <laughs> tweeting stuff like that when Brody Van Wagenen's presser happened. But it's a little bit different at the GM level. Like, do you remember ever players getting this excited about an owner? Like, <laughs> imagine no. anyone tweeting no. about the Wilpons, like any player <laughs> tweeting about the Wilpons. Well, they would, would never probably happen. be traded if they did. <laughs> No, Syndergaard especially. I mean, yeah. you guys saw what Syndergaard tweeted when the sale went through, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, he he basically said like, I hope the new ownership treats players more like people and less like commodities, or whatever he said. Like, you know, it was yeah, pretty harsh words. Yeah, which was, and I mean, like, not unwarranted at all. Oh no, no, no. Um, so Cohen, he said he wants to win a World Series within the next three to five years, if not sooner. And like we said, that shouldn't be a that shouldn't be a pull quote because what owner shouldn't be saying that? But you know, right. he said it. Um, he also he he showed an Aldersonian level of shade throwing. Yes, uh, yeah, like what are hysterical. When they asked about the other bidders for the team, he said, "Who were the other bidders? I don't remember." <laughs> Which is <laughs> fucking brilliant. Just amazing. Mariah Carey, I don't know her. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So amazing. (laughs) So great. Uh, He also, you know, they also asked about the vote from the other owners and if he was disappointed in not getting, not being unanimous. And he said, I got 26 votes. You need 23 to be an owner. I accomplished my goal. Yeah. (laughs) What else needs to be said? Like, you can't get rid of me now. Like, I like I don't give a crap if these other dudes like me. <laughs> yeah, like it felt like that Don Draper gif. Like I, I, I feel sorry for you. I don't think about you at all. You know, like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It's kind of like I don't care if you guys like me. And like, I, like if you're if you're the other owners, like I kind of don't blame some of them for voting against him because like looking at this presser, it's like, oh shit, is this the bar now? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, because. Well, wasn't that the fear, uh, like, when it was first rumored he was buying the team, was that the other owners were afraid he would spend money? Yeah. And, like, just completely blow their scam out of the water? Well, he's now the richest owner in baseball. Yeah. Yes. And I want to say he's top five all pro sports in the United States. Really? he was, like, the third richest. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, it's some crazy thing. And you got to realize, he just spent $2.5 billion on the team, <laughs> and he may spend another $2 billion on SNY, and he's still going to be in the top five owners in all of professional sports. Oh, my gosh. I can't even I can't even picture that amount of money. I just – that's unfathomable to me. And yes. I think we said this on 
a pot all the last time. I think he's wealthier than the next three owners combined. I believe so. Oh, wow. (laughs) (laughs) That is crazy. That is wild. But, you know, he also, you know, he's doing the right thing. He's paying the workers. He said he wants to invest in the community. Mm -hmm. So, you know, he is doing, like, he's not just this, you know, mogul on high, just, like, sharing decrees. Like, he's investing in everything, in the team, the organization, the community, the fans. And it's, like, it's almost too good to be true. Like, we're so, we have so much Stockholm Syndrome that, like, like I said, when I was seeing all the tweets come through, I'm like, none of this is real. I don't know how to feel right now. Like well, I know. Like, it's kind of like an identity crisis a yes. little bit. Yes. It's like, what do we do when, like, because, like, wait, is being a Mets fan, like, cool now? Like, I don't know how to process that. Well, I don't know if you saw Renee, our fr- friend of the show, Renee, from um, Purple Row. She was like, she was following his press conference, and she goes, "Can I be a Mets fan now?" And because the Rockies are breaking her heart, and yeah, and it's like, are the Mets like really like you said? Are we cool? Are we like the destination team now? Like that's just oh, I don't know Alderson how to process said that. that. Alderson said overnight things changed. Yeah, he said players are calling, agents are calling, everyone wants to work for the Mets now. Wow. That's so cool. That is really cool. <laughs> the, like, go ahead, Linda. I don't know, like, it's it just me, but I really want to make the Yankees fans mad. Oh, me too. <laughs> I yes. know. Because, They're like, so mad. Like, we'll awesome. be getting and... all the good players. We have the richer <laughs> owner. Like, can we rub that in their faces now? Yes. Perhaps. I remember, Linda, remember on the show, like, a few weeks ago when we were talking about this was before the sale was finalized, obviously, but it was, like, at the point where it was, like, inevitable. Remember when we were talking about how, like, we always get so mad when, like, Dodgers fans complain because they're so spoiled, but then they complain about stuff, and you're like, yeah. come on. And I was like, I can't wait for that to be us. Like, <laughs> I can't wait for us to complain about some stupid petty shit that doesn't matter and other fans to be like... Imagine being a Mets fan and complaining. You have it so hard. I can't wait for that to be us. Like after we already signed like Springer and Strowman and like trade for Lindor. Like god damn it we didn't get Brad Hand. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) I can't wait for that to be us. That's all I want. (laughs) Is for other people to get mad about us complaining. So the one thing I did not tweet yesterday because I was I I got a work phone call mid-presser. So I was half listening. But Somebody asked about analytics and, you know, he, he at first gave the bullshit answer that was like, oh, analytics are important, but so is the human experience or whatever. But then he said, you know, I, I watched the World Series and the Rays were a hell of a team. And he said, like, you know, even with the best analytics, sometimes decisions don't go your way. And I would have done the exact same thing in that game. Really? But, but, you know, sometimes sometimes the odds don't go your way. And I just thought, like, wow, here's a guy who actually understands how analytics work. And I'm sure that's yeah. because his job is very analytical, but... It's true. Yeah. Like, and, yeah, like, being, like, a hedge fund manager is all about, like, playing the numbers, more or less, right? Like, and playing the odds. Yeah, that's true. Well, and also, another thing that I said, he, you know, he said, I have a second job. Right, yeah. <laughs> and he's like, this isn't his main job. And, um... 
but he was like, I'm gonna, you know, I'm used to, like we said, hiring the best people. And he was like, I, I hold them accountable, but I give them room to run. And I thought that was also an interesting quote, too, because we know the other, the previous ownership, we, could, we can now say, um, did the exact opposites of that. Yes. Yeah. Like, they just meddled and, you know, like what they said, like, it didn't matter who they hired, you know, they had the final say. Um, Like, you know, Sandy would have to, you know, beg for money or, um, you know, really, you know, he needed a player say, hey, we kind of need bullpen help. Please let me trade for bullpen help. Um, So it's like... Why did you even bother hiring anybody if you were just gonna have the final say anyway? Like, there's, there's no trust in 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 the position. So I think that's also another another good benefit of Cohen coming in is, you know, it'll attract better people to the front office because then it gives them a chance to show what they can do without somebody without running into walls every time. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah, because like not only does he want to hire competent people, like, yeah, you can want to hire competent people all you want, but if competent people don't want to work for you, mm-hmm. then you've got a problem. And yeah. uh, the Wilpons were, you know, had their their reputation preceded them as far as like who would want to come to that front office under that ownership group. That's all gone. And like you said, Brian, like he said it changed overnight because mm-hmm. all of a sudden everybody wants to work for the Mets now because they have like the shiny new toy. <laughs> it still blows my mind. People want to work for the Mets. I know, right? It's going it to take a while. It's weird coming out of your mouth. <laughs> well, in, in addition to Cohen, we also had Sandy Alderson speak, and he didn't have as many sort of, um, you know, big ticket things that he talked about. But a few things I think are of note that I just wanted to get in here. Um, he mentioned that he expects Luis Rojas to be the manager, but he wants to involve the new president of baseball operations in the decision of who the manager should be, which I think mm-hmm. is fair. And he said, you know, he spoke to Rojas about this, and he said all of this to Rojas. This is not breaking news. I thought Rojas did about as good of a job as he could have done. I know we can nitpick with any manager. You can nitpick decisions and all of that. But it seemed oh, like wait, there's breaking Andy Martino news. Oh, what is oh, that? Jesus. They, um, they interviewed Michael Hill for president of baseball operations. Huh. I don't know who Michael Hill is. Neither yeah, do I offhand. That? Let me you guys talk, let me Google this. Michael Hill yeah. baseball. So, um, I don't, uh, the other thing that Sandy Alderson said, or I I can't, because I didn't watch the presser live, I like am losing track of what was Sandy Alderson and what was Cohen, but I think this was Alderson. I don't know if it was the, in the presser itself or during the like WFAN interview, like afterwards, but he said something about like, they would have claimed Brad hand, but the timing wasn't right. And I just found that whole thing to be odd. Like what I, I know, I understand that like, the will ponds were like still on their way out and the sale hadn't been finalized. And that's probably what they meant. But like, I don't know that like, that was kind of the one frustrating thing to me. Cause it's like, it like claiming Brad handoff waivers was like such an obvious thing that the Mets could have done. Agreed. And because they yeah. were like, it was the exact moment where they were changing ownership groups. They just like, couldn't do it because of bureaucratic reasons or like what? 
Yeah. So well, Michael, I mean, Ma- Michael Hill. You can sorry. just sign him. <laughs> okay, yeah, go. Uh, Michael Hill was the uh, was with the Marlins. He was their um, VP, assistant GM, and general manager. He was the president baseball, baseball operations briefly, and I don't know when he stopped working for them. Um, but it looks like, I guess he was the GM from 07 to 2013, and was the president of baseball ops until 2015. It appears. Hmm. Okay. Cuban American interesting. Har- uh, with a Harvard degree. Okay. Anyway. I'm kind of at the point where I like, you know, we'll see all the people they interview. I'm like, I'm I'm gonna have to trust Cohen's judgment on Sandy Alderson's judgment because what yeah. choice do I have? I don't want to be like skeptical right off the bat <laughs> or anything. Yeah. yeah. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC. Terms and conditions apply. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Um, but the other things Alderson said, he said, um, <laughs> it made news that he said that we have a new president-elect. <laughs> oh, yeah. He, he accepts the results of the election, but, you know, we'll leave that as it, as it is. But, Again, uh, the bar is in Hades. Like, like people yes. freaked out about that, and I was like, it, 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 I was like, it actually doesn't say anything about his political beliefs, guys. That he said that it all it says is that he literally just is talking about the results of the election, it, like they're true, which is like the bare minimum. He's a rational adult. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um. So he he said that he will have a seat at the table for baseball operations, but he will not be at the head of the table, and so he wants the baseball ops president to be the primary decision maker, which has me excited because you you figure if there's a president of baseball ops and a GM underneath him, it will go GM, president, team president, Alderson, Cohen. And I feel like if you can get past Sandy Alderson, I can't imagine Cohen saying no. Yeah. Like that level of having that strict of a hierarchy, I feel like will will lead – Cohen to be able to really trust his people because Alderson is I mean Alderson's as pretty as bulletproof as an executive gets essentially and so I think yeah. if you have multiple people going up the chain to Alderson that has to make everybody feel pretty good about about the chain 
Yeah. Well, and I think Cohen said the key is to hire people smarter than you. Mm-hmm. So I feel like, you know, like you said, if there are a bunch of people smarter than him, then he'll believe anything that they need his like final say on. Yeah. Um, you know, he, he he did say somebody asked him, they, they used the term that uh, Scott Boris had used saying what aisle will the Mets be shopping in this offseason? And his answer was, we're going to make sure we've got meat and potatoes, but we're going to be shopping in the gourmet section as well. And then pointed out he needed directions to find the gourmet aisle. Oh, so much shame. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, but the, oh, it's amazing. To me, the, stand. the key quote came right after that. He said, it's not about how much less we can get someone for. It's about getting that somebody. We can now emphasize the acquisition rather than the cost oh my god that is that's that's great <laughs> yeah, wow it's like he went, quote. yeah it's like he went in like how much shade can i throw <laughs> yeah um and the, the last sort of bit he said was that the mets minor league affiliates next year will be st Lucie, brooklyn binghamton and syracuse we had thought binghamton was going away so that's a good thing for fans in the northeast it means that both columbia and kingsport are no longer mets affiliates which is a shame no one likes to hear about minor league contraction but unfortunately that's the case but i think for mets fans to have high a double a and triple a in the state that's a really nice thing yeah yeah that is really cool it's it's funny because like for once it's weird when I was like paying attention to like what they were doing with minor league contraction, obviously, like you said, Brian, like the whole, the thing as a whole is like really devastating for baseball. Um, But as far as like specific teams, I was paying attention to, I was actually paying attention more to the Yankees affiliates than the Mets because I worked, I worked in Trenton for, you know, for a year. And so I popped over to a lot of Trenton Thunder games, like after work and, um, and it's, it is kind of devastating in a way that the Trenton Thunder is going away. It was an institution there, but at the same time, I was like, I, w- I had mixed feelings about it because I was really sad about the departure tr- of Trenton. But on the other hand, I was pretty psyched because they're moving, like they're moving the affiliate to Somerset, which is which was always my like closest to where I'm from because um, I grew up with a lot of Somerset Patriots games, which is like independent league and not affiliated. But you know, just for Somerset to have uh, affiliated baseball is pretty cool. Well, can I just say I'm also very sad they bought the Renegades. Yes. Yeah, devastating. Also. I feel, yeah, I feel dirty cheering for the Renegades now. <laughs> <laughs> My poor Gates. <laughs> I get it. It's tough. <laughs> it is. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it, it means that I will probably get to, they haven't said yet if Brooklyn is double A or single A. They seem to think it's going to be double A. I've, I've, I've read some rumblings that they feel that double A is where Brooklyn will be. And oh. that's, that's really fun, actually. Oh yeah, because they would be so much closer. Yeah, and so what you'll do, you'll you'll see a lot of a lot of Mets rehabbing there too. Yeah, which is cool. So that that's always a fun thing. So overall, just a really positive, really fun press conference. It ran like an hour and a half, which <laughs> I thought was kind of crazy. But people wanted to. I mean, every reporter not named Brian Salvatore was on that call. Um, which was a bummer because like they, they, they pulled out every 
two bit Mets writer except for Amazing Avenue. But you know, maybe next time. Rude. Yeah. Yeah. Come on. Rude. We gotta we tweet at Steve Cohen too or Stephen A. Cohen too. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> um, but so was it was wait Brian there's yeah. one, one last thing about the press conference because sure, sure. I just wanted to, since I didn't watch it I was it Bradford that asked the question about um to Steve Cohen about like the social justice stuff I believe so yeah I think that was Bradford because I remember like I saw a couple of tweets about it and because I was kind of like not only not I not only did I not see the presser live, I was not unlike Linda, I was not like following online along either because like it was just a hellacious day at work and I was like really busy. And so I had to catch up on everything after the fact. So I like missed a lot of stuff that like went through live. And I, I was like, I remember like seeing a tweet and flagging it in my brain, like, oh yeah, like Bradford asked that question. I know it was Bradford. <laughs> I am I am ninety percent sure it was Bradford. Yep. Yeah. Good on well, him. Yeah. yeah. And one last final thought I had, too, because sure. I think Chris tweeted it, um, but it was something that I think we were all were thinking, right? You know, that press conference was the most inter- like interaction um, that they've had with the press than, like, the Will Ponds in the past 20 years. Oh, yeah. Oh, I, Chris and I were texting during it, and I said to him, I think this is more time than... I think Cohen has already spent more time with the press than the Wilpons have in the 21st century. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised. Which is insane. Because <laughs> it's 20 years in and he's had one press conference. <laughs> you know, here we are. He says good or bad, he's he's going to you know stay the same, but I guess we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. So that was Tuesday. And then Wednesday, today at 5 p.m., was the deadline for players to accept or reject a qualifying offer from the team. And uh, your friend and mine, Marcus Stroman, accepted the Mets qualifying offer. Yes! Stroman's back! He specifically cited Cohen as a reason for doing that, uh, which is, again, just if, if that's all Cohen gives us. He's already given us more than the Will Bonds did in the last few years. Uh, the, the QO is for $18.9 million for the season, uh, which our, our friend Vass pointed out makes him the third highest salaried player on the club right now. Wow. Um, that is. Yeah, that's, that's, that's insane. Um, I, I do think that that he might be an extension candidate now that he's already signed. Yes. And he did article. say, like, haters are going to see me for a while or something. So yeah. I was like, ooh, a while? What does that mean, Stro? Do elaborate. Yeah, so I, yeah I, he said something about surprised. sticking around for a while, and I was like, hmm. Yeah, yeah like your, your eyebrows go up, like, ooh. Yeah. But, I mean, this is a hugely important move for 2021. Yes, you know, because they had no rotation like right. at all to speak of behind DeGrom. They have oh Jacob DeGrom. They maybe have David Peterson in the three, four, or five slot, depending how much you believe in Peterson. But now you mm-hmm. have three players that I think, and no offense to Allison's boo, Seth Lugo here, but <laughs> you know, I think now you have three starters that you don't – you have two starters you don't have to worry about and a third starter you can dream on. Yeah, yeah, and I think this. I just think Lugo is destined to go back to the bullpen. My official Lugo take: copyright 
at this time um, is I think it is, I mean, obviously it's dependent on like what the Mets are able to do during the rest of the off season. And like, obviously like they shouldn't like save a spot for Lugo and we can't sign more pitchers because that would push Lugo out of the rotation. Like that is, that would be ridiculous. But my official take TM is that I um, I think it would be perfectly acceptable for Lugo to begin the season as the fifth starter, and then once Syndergaard comes back, he can get bumped back to the bullpen. Okay, that's reasonable. Yeah. Okay. I I, I, I just think yeah. that's like an acceptable state of events. I'm not saying it like should be the state of events. I'm just saying I think it's an acceptable thing because then because that and that would mean that the Mets only have to sign one more pitcher, really. And then they would have a rotation of DeGrom, Stroman, insert pitcher here, David Peterson, and then like Seth Lugo. But then later it's Noah Syndergaard instead. Well, apparently Max is working out with Regan in Florida. But who knows? The vulture is coming in to save us again. (laughs) My take is still that he should be non-tendered. And I feel bad about saying that. I do too. Like he's, I, I, he basically I seems like not a baseball player. Like, no. anymore. where did it all go so wrong? Well, here's the thing, right? If if money really isn't an issue, then I think you keep Mats around for one more season. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. But I also you can't rely on him either, though. No, 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 no. To me, he is the sixth or seventh starter on the team. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe the long man. Maybe you work some some bullpen magic with him and let him be the seventh inning guy or sixth inning guy. Um, I I just I just don't know. But you know, to me, Stroman accepting the QO just makes the Mets off season a lot more clear. Yes. You know, they need help at catcher. Uh, Alderson also joked, by the way, that some of the Mets' defensive problems were his fault, which was yeah, amazing. I, I, yeah, I did see that. <laughs> um, yeah, he's not wrong. Yeah, so you which know, is big of him to admit, and it is true. Yes, big. <laughs> yes, exactly. So I, I think you're going to see a center fielder. I think you're going to see a catcher, and now I think you you don't need to necessarily go out and get a Trevor Bauer, thank goodness. Yes, uh, be, praise be. You know, yeah, thank you for saving us, Strowman. Yes, yeah, so I, I think DeGrom plus Strowman is very different than DeGrom plus no one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> for obvious DeGrom reasons. plus let's hope David Peterson is good <laughs> yes. for realsies. Yes. Like, so we'll see. I think that, like... I'm going to try to like give a level-headed take on the Bauer situation. I I mean, my non-level-headed take is I'm thrilled with this qualifying offer for many reasons, not just because I love Marcus Stroman, but because I think that this lowers Bauer on their priority list if he was there to begin with, which is, you know, good for me because I don't want Trevor Bauer anywhere near my team. But even from a baseball perspective, from a purely baseball perspective, if even if he was not the asshole that he is, I think that taking Stroman off the table now raises Bauer's price tag yes. quite a lot. Yes. Um, because basically it was like Bauer was the, in, in the eyes of the free agent market, Bauer was the one, especially now that he's won the Cy Young Award, which I guess we'll get to. Um, Bauer well, was the we one. We just got to it. Stroman, That's it. 
Yep, that's it. He won. It's all. Young Jake didn't. Boo. That occurred. Moving on. (laughs) Moving on. Bauer was the one, and Strowman was the one A, so to speak, and the backup plan for many teams who were like had a big hole in their rotation. They wanted to fill it with the best pitcher available that they could. If they did not win the Bauer sweepstakes, they probably would have been in on the Marcus Stroman sweepstakes. Now Marcus Stroman's off the table. So that kind of leaves it at like Bauer. And then there's like a huge drop in talent after that. And so for me, if you're the Mets, like why involve yourself in that rat race at all now? Well, and also I think we can't overlook Morton. I don't think he was a free agent the last time we potted because the Rays declined. Or yeah. Would, yeah. So I would take Morton in a heartbeat, and he probably won't won't cost that much. And they said he, I think he wants to stay on the East Coast. So I think he would be a fine three four behind behind Jake and Strowman, Morton Peterson, and then I guess Lugo, and then you're fine until Syndergaard comes back. I would I would think that first of all I think the Mets are going to be very active on the trade market this year because I think yeah. for the first time in a long no, time that means my man's might be trade bait well, don't say that one I of think, their corner outfield slash like corner infield types yes whether that is Davis mm. or Dom Nimmo. Smith or Dom Nimmo, Nimmo. Or, or even Alonso I, I could see Alderson being much higher on Smith than Alonso and thinking you're never going to get a higher value for a player. Did than he you are draft now. both of them? He did. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he did. Um, I think, yeah, I agree with you, Brian. I think that the Mets do have, you know, they do have a position of strength to trade from there. Um, and I think that, you know, I think we might see that play out if they prioritize Springer. It's 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 wild, like uh, like kind of like looping back to the Strowman qualifying offer. The thing that I find like striking about this is that all the fans are just able to celebrate up this, whereas a, a good player coming back, an enjoyable player, a fun player coming back. Whereas in the past, if this were any off season prior to this one, and something and Strowman accepted the qualifying offer, that would have been disastrous for the Mets because this would have been the move. That yeah. would have been the move. Oh and then God. we would have spent the whole rest of the offseason talking about how the whole offseason budget is spent. But no one is saying <laughs> that at all. And it's so awesome. We can just like talk about like what other holes do we have to fill? Should we yeah. sign JT Real Muto or George Springer? Por que no los dos? It's like, like wow. We would have had to hope that they like signed Chris Archer and hope he rebounded. <laughs> yeah, right. That would have been like the other big move. Because we which is literally what happened. We got like Literally Rick Porcello. (laughs) (laughs) But I think that, yeah, like, I I really want to dream big. I would love for them to assign JT Real Muto and George Springer. But um, I think that it's kind of going to be a pick one situation. And if that is true, then I think they should prioritize Real Muto, in my opinion. Because I think the catcher is the biggest need. Like, obviously, center field, like, Nimmo is not a viable center fielder at this point, but he can at least stand there. Yes. Whereas like a catcher, we have no solution right now. See, really. I'm the opposite. I think they should go all in on Springer and maybe sign McCann as a backup. Um, but then I if you miss out, pleased with that outcome, yeah. that's for sure. 
But then if you miss out on both McCann and Real Muto, then <laughs> come on down, Tomas Nito. You are now our starting catcher. Well, that that's yes. kind of my point. I, I feel like the level of talent between Real Muto and the next choice is a drop-off. And then between huge. McCann and the next choice is a huge drop-off. <laughs> Whereas I feel like Springer, although he is clearly the center field option, if you're looking at trades and free agents, there is somebody there who is likely not the same level of drop-off than you get from the catching position. Because even if you're counting trades, I don't know who's better. I don't think there is a better catcher than Real Muto right now. I think that's it. No, there's not. So you don't not have a chance close. often to sign the absolute best player at a position, especially when money isn't an option. So yeah. So fucking go for it, man. Like, go yeah, for, do sure. this now. Yeah. yeah. I think, and, and but I do think that if, if they sign Springer as opposed to like a, and I'm not saying they have to go this far of a drop off. It's just an example because we're familiar with it as opposed to like a Marisnik type place filler. Sure, so to sure. Speak. Um, if they sign Springer, then I feel they almost have to trade someone like, Probably like Nimmo or Davis. Sorry, Linda. Um, I actually think Nimmo would be the bigger trade bait here almost because I think he would actually net you more. Um, although Davis has more years of team control, so there's that to take into account. But Nimmo is, I would say, the more flexible player, if not just the outright better player between those two players. Um, and he, I think that he would, he could excel in another at another team. Um, for sure. Like what team wouldn't want Brandon Nimmo batting lead off and playing left field every day for them? Like that's a huge asset. Um, so like, I think you almost, if you, if you do prioritize Springer, you almost have to trade one of your other like corner outfield types because, um, they need, they need to use that, um, that surplus to get starting pitching. Um, well, the because then that opens up more options as far as like filling it with like, cause the starting pitching, like free agency crop is not that great. And so like yeah. being able to open up an option to trade for one is like, gives you a lot more options. Well, here's my question though. If the Mets, if the national league keeps the DH for next year, which we don't know yet, I think that changes their off season plan considerably. For sure. For yeah. sure considerably because like yes if you I could, think that takes Dom Smith off the table then I think so too although theoretically you could have Cano play you could have Cano be the DH have uh, McNeil at second and have Davis at third but I saw I think like in Slack today they were debating Lindor trades and they said maybe you can include McNeil and then sign LeMayhew. Oh, that's interesting. And I was like, "Ooh, I kind of like that." I I would not I would not complain about having DJ LeMayhew on our team. That's no, for sure. I would not either. And Francisco Lindor. <laughs> and Francisco Lindor. That's Lindor, for sure. I I am I am less sold on the Lindor trade. And that's not because of Lindor as a player. I just think that if you're looking at all the positions the Mets need help at, shortstop is so far down my list that I would I would rather the resources be utilized elsewhere. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, because yeah. if they have the chips to trade, might as well trade it for a pitcher of a of an equivalent caliber. Yes. Um, and then you could really get 
the bang for your book that way. But I don't know. I, I just fucking love Francisco Lindor. I mean, There's no guarantee Lindor, after he gets traded, will sign an extension. Then he'll oh, just yeah. be a, you, a free agent next year anyway. That's the thing for it to work. You have to. Yes. Well, yeah, it, for the Mets, yeah. But, like, what if another team just sees him as a rental? Like, a cuspy kind of team. Like a team less poor than the Mets, now that I can say that. <laughs> Holy shit, Linda. Wow. Holy shit, Linda. Um, <laughs> to me, also, like Lindor is, I mean, for those of us that have been Mets fans for some time, Lindor was like the dream get yeah. for eight years now? Yeah. Seven years now? Whatever it was. Like, you know, he's just, he's been that, that oh, we got to trade for Lindor. We got to trade for this guy name forever and i think in some ways we're reacting to the fact that we can actually do that now i know (laughs) the immediate successor to tulo avenue is lindor avenue absolutely 100 (laughs) percent. well and also baez is a free agent next year too oh damn javi baez is so fun (laughs) so we have options here guys that's the whole thing i i think that that we're so used to the way, and again, not to make this Wilpon Avenue audio, but like the <laughs> the way the Wilpons ran the team, we've been conditioned to like, all right, this offseason, we can do one big thing. And so let's do that one big thing. Look, we've got two above average young shortstops right now. Just let that sink in for a second here. We have two we above have average young shortstops here. And so we don't have to... Shortstops will be available in the future, and if these guys don't work out, we have time to address that. And yeah. that won't have to be the move next offseason. That can be I mean, a move. The one the one like sort of counterpoint to that re Lindor is that from the Mets perspective, because I have seen like because I, I made a I I made a tweet fairly recently about like because someone like tweeted a Lindor rumor. It wasn't a real rumor. It was just like the Mets, Lindor, blah. And I was like, oh, I would love to have Francisco Lindor. And I got like a few people being like, but why with Ahmed Rosario and Andres Jimenez? And I was like, yes, I understand that. And I, this isn't a diss on either of those players. I like them both. But the thing about like getting Lindor and that what might put us ahead in the ability to acquire Lindor is that we can trade Cleveland back a major league ready shortstop to yes. fill their hole that they've yeah. now created there, which gives us a leg up on other teams that might be interested. Yeah, that is true. Yeah. Cause like, I think if you trade for Lindor, you trade one of those two players. in oh, you, have trade. you have to, yeah, yeah. you have to. Yeah. Um, and I think that unfortunately, the player you don't trade is not going to play a lot for a little while. Yeah. Which is a, unless which is a you do an Ahmed Rosario or center field experiment, which I've been saying they should try forever and ever. Or, or you also trade Smith, and this makes Cano the full time DH. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're the, the Mets have possibilities, which is new. Yeah, yeah it is. That's so. Just a little bit of money just changes everything. It does. It does. Let's be real. More than a little bit of money. <laughs> yeah. A lot of money. Well, we saw the ownership change was in for the Dodgers. Will that be us? Who knows? Yeah. would love to see it. You truly They're World would. Series champions now. Yes. With an asterisk. I'm not going to recognize them. <laughs> Are you also not recognizing Bauer? 
No, absolutely not. Okay, good, good. I thought I would hope not. I mean, Bauer cheated and admitted he cheated, so that's true. That's what I'm gonna like shit competition all year. So enjoy your. I I made this comparison. He's basically gonna be Rick Porcel in a couple years, where you're like, oh right, that dude won a Cy Young, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, here's the thing. I mean, like, I was I was actually talking to my dad about this on the phone earlier today because I called him when I found out that Stroman took the qualifying offer to be like, yay. Um, and so we talked about this a little bit, and he was saying like, even from and again, we're talking even from a strictly baseball perspective, we agree. Neither of us want Trevor Bauer anywhere near our team. Um, but like, even from a strictly baseball perspective, not just his price tag will rise a lot, but like he. At, like at the price tag he's now going to be given that Stroman is like out of the free agent market. That's going to be like borderline like DeGrom Scherzer level money. And like he has had one good season. One. He had 11 good starts. One. Yeah. Like he had like half a good season. And like, I'm not, you know, like cheating or not, it was, it was good. Like he had good numbers. He, you know, based on the numbers, he deserved to try No one, uh, that, that was that wasn't me who said that. Um, but like you, you want the track record when you're giving out a contract like that. Yes. I'm happy to like. I mean, ain't my money, so like, who cares? Give out hundred million dollar contracts all you want, multiple hundreds of millions of dollars. But like, to me, like Degrom and Scherzer, they like those sorts of Justin Verlander, like they have track rec- records of being aces for multiple years before yes. they got that their mm-hmm. deals, like. Bauer is not even close to that level. He's not even, I would argue he's not, he hasn't even earned the Zach Wheeler contract because Zach Wheeler had more of a track record of success. Obviously he didn't have like a Cy Young season yet, but he had like a season and a half of like being very good under his belt when he was signed to the contract he got signed to. I'm a little older than you guys, so I'm not sure if this is going to necessarily land the same way. I could see Bauer getting a Kevin Brown contract. Oh yeah, and then totally not living up to turning into Kevin Brown. <laughs> yes, exactly. Just, just, <laughs> just the, the full Kevin Brown experience. Yeah, I um, would love to see it as, and for not the Mets. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm convinced he's going to turn back into a pumpkin and throw a temper tantrum when he can't handle everybody saying, "Oh, you're not living up to that contract." It's going to be um, a nightmare for whatever team. That That's would be, him, that would be so not. satisfying when that happens yeah um so one interesting wrinkle of this stroman story though is that yesterday i believe it was stroman had tweeted that there was a team he would not sign with before he accepted the mess qualifying offer and that team was the chicago white Sox. the white Sox, who many would say were one of the more exciting and fun teams in baseball in 2020 uh hired uh tony la russa to be their manager. Now, La Russa managed them back in the day, and La Russa, I, I think if, if you can if you can remove any personal feelings you may have, La Russa is a clear Hall of Fame. He's, he's in the Hall of Fame, as he will remind you over and over again, even when you're an arresting officer. Um, you know, he, he, is a, he, he is a Hall of Fame caliber manager, but he's also somebody who has not managed in some time and seems to be on the... Um, on the more old-fashioned side of of baseball thought, uh, he was, to my knowledge, most recently working for the Diamondbacks as a. I think he worked for Major League Baseball for a while, but he was, you know, 
he was involved in the Diamondbacks front office and that did not go very well. No, he's responsible for the Shelby Miller trade that just handed the Braves under NCRT and Dansby Swanson. So we can thank him for that. Yes. Uh, and, you know, uh, the, the reason that this came up with Stroman is that um, shortly, I guess it was during spring training, uh, La Russa was arrested for a DUI and did things like pointed to his World Series ring and said, do you know who I am? I'm a World Series. I'm in the Baseball Hall of Fame. I'm big time. Like he, he basically hot dogged it to a cop, which is, you know, not cool for a lot Extremely of reasons. Extremely Draco Malfoy. My father will hear about this energy. <laughs> yes. Uh, but also just like, you know. Or I'm the cake boss. Somebody yes, oh, said. I'm the cake Linda, boss. I love you so much for saying I'm the cake boss. My goodness. Oh, that's the greatest thing I've heard all day. Yes, he Tony La Russa is the I'm the cake boss of baseball. Can we can we title this episode I'm the cake boss? One hundred percent. Good. I was gonna make it the Cohen Stroh show, but now it's gonna be I'm the cake boss. No, it has to be I'm the cake boss. Um. Oh man, you just made my night with that. With that um. But. But, you know, but so, you know, I, I feel like people uh, of, a, of a certain age older than us think about drunk driving in a way that is different than how we think about drunk driving. I think it was a, a more acceptable thing, not that it should have ever been, but I, I think people don't think of it as as being as big of a deal as, as maybe folks our age think it is. And uh, fuck those people, because... Mm-hmm. It's a terrible, terrible thing. There's no in the age of Uber and Lyft, there is literally zero reason to ever drive drunk. Well, not, that, not that there was beforehand, but there's even less of a reason now. Well, yeah, and somebody pointed it out. He's had players die from drunk driving, which oh, makes shit. it yeah. ten times worse. Like you know what the consequences are. You've had players die from this, and you still made the choice to do it. Yeah, that it is was somebody... a bad hire. It was a disastrous hire before, and this makes it exponentially worse. Yes, and and they never, and then White Sox knew, and they hired oh, they him anyway. Yeah. That's and, the worst part. And they they didn't issue any statements saying we 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 you know drunk driving is wrong. He's getting help. Nothing. It's been like radio silence from them, which like. I know this is all Reinsdorf or however the hell you pronounce his name. Um, and like that's just handcuffing the entire organization. But look, it already cost you a free agent. Is it worth it? Is Tony LaRusso worth all this? And like, I don't know, not to like, not to belabor this point and get on my soapbox about it, but like Carlos Beltran faced more consequences for being tangentially involved in the Astros cheating scandal than this guy is going to face. Yep. Well, for according actual, to like endangering people's lives. Yeah, nothing matters in baseball anymore. You can cheat, you can drunk drive and you'll face zero consequences. Like Cora and Hinch both got jobs. LaRusso's keeping his job like there's no consequences to literally anything you do. And it was just like, and like I remember when, the, and this was before the news of the DUI came out. Like I remember, like when the hire was announced, and like 
obviously most of the people that I interact with on baseball Twitter are like Mets folks, but like, obviously I follow like a few folks from across baseball. And so like, I follow a few White Sox fans and like, they were devastated. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, such a feeling of solidarity because this feels so Wilpon Metsy, oh, like yeah. a guy that's familiar to the organization and like old school. Yeah. Like it just, and I was like, on one hand, this is all really terrible, and I feel like a massive amount of sympathy for White Sox fans right now. But on the other hand, like God, it's so nice that this isn't us anymore. Yes. Well, somebody said like now if the Wilpons out is Reinsdorf the worst. I was like. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> was it Nick? Was it Nick Schaefer who used the I, best? He used the best term to describe it. It was like a hackish family-owned business. Oh, it was, a, oh, yeah. it was so good. I I wish I could find it. It's probably yeah, too I far back. I can't remember what Twitter. he said, but yeah, it, he described it perfectly. He was like, "With the Will Ponds out now, is Reinsdorf the like most hackish, terrible owner in in the sport?" And yeah. everyone was like, "Yeah, probably." sorry i I always think of him as the bulls owner from from like the last dance days you know he's he's owned the bulls forever and so i think of him as like this guy who builds who builds legacies right but that was a long time ago and that was a different sport and uh and yeah just the thing about la russa that bothers me so much too is that i cannot imagine a world in which la russa is a is anything more than a one or two season solution for that team? He's 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 old as fuck. He's he is he hasn't had a good managerial season since the Cardinals in God knows when, and it just seems to me like it's such a short sighted move, especially for a team that is this young and exciting. Like when they hired him, was the explicit was the explicit purpose to make that team less fun? Yeah. Right. I think seems... I said at the time, I think I said at the time that they hired him, I'm trying to imagine Tony LaRusa trying to have a conversation with Tim Anderson and I'm yeah. failing to imagine. Yeah, exactly. Like I'm failing to imagine like how they would even r- interact. <laughs> well, and the best part too was Renneria was a finalist for manager of the year. I think he did he oh yeah, he lost to Kevin Cash, but yeah. it that just would have been the cherry on top if he won. Yeah, it's just it's just so it's just so silly. Yeah, like why did you take such a, like a fun team and just kill its soul? Basically, is there any better argument for what's wrong with baseball owners than that exact situation? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, here's the exact quote from uh, Nick of Baseball Perspectives, who is a White Sox fan. This has to be the most embarrassing mom and pop baseball weirdo operation left in the game, right? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, because yeah. it was basically like it was in response to a reply he got that says, "Is Reinsdorf going to be the clown prince of baseball with the Will Ponds out?" Feel like there's a compelling argument to be made, and he was like, "Yeah, I was talking to people about this earlier. This has to be the most embarrassing mom and pop baseball weirdo operation left in the game." Also, shout out to clown prince of baseball. Yeah, yeah clown prince of baseball. So, like, yeah, like it's. It sucks, and I definitely am sympathetic to White Sox fans right now. It's just like, why do these guys, why do these dudes keep getting jobs? <laughs> it it just seems to me like this reeks of let's go back to the. You know, there's a quote from a, a Puccini opera that says, "Let's go back to the past. At least that will be progress." And it's 
in the I believe in the opera it is meant as like a a foolish person saying it, but you'll hear people pull that out a lot of times as like a yes, we're doing something, we're going back to the old days, but like no, it's a it's bad to go back to the old days. You're never gonna recapture what you had with Larusa the first time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like that that quote, like they're parodying you people. Don't you understand that? Yeah, like this is this is not a good thing, and it's you know, it's just I, I'm. I'm glad it's not the Mets, but I do feel for White Sox fans. Yeah. Um, Been there. So the last time you folks recorded was right before this next news item happened. So, Allison, I'm going to let you take the reins on this uh, on this uh, segment here and talk about uh, our old friend Justin Turner. Yeah, so speaking of uh, baseball clownery, I guess as we'll put it, um, other clownery occurred. So yeah, the last time Linda and I recorded, I believe, was literally the evening which this happened. But it was like we were recording at eight thirty at night, and yeah. it was after the World Series game, much later in the evening. But yeah, at the time, the the Dodgers were and the Rays were playing in the World Series. The, the Dodgers won the World Series. We found out it was just like it was wild to like kind of watch it all. I mean, I didn't watch the game on TV, but it was wild to like be awake on Twitter, like seeing it all unfold step by step because it was like, oh, the game is happening, like World Series. ah, And then like all of a sudden it was like Justin Turner is pulled from the game inexplicably in the second inning. Okay, whatever. Back to baseball. Like no one said why. So it was like, okay, maybe he's hurt. And then, like, the the game continues to happen. Dodgers win the World Series. Wow, first World Series since 1988. This is crazy. Um, and everyone's celebrating. All the Dodgers fans are very excited. And then, like, all of a sudden, it's like, Justin Turner has COVID. Like, immediately after the game ended, they were like, Turner has COVID. And then all of a sudden, you see him, like, after we heard that he has COVID, you see him, like, emerge from the dugout. And you're like, what is happening? What we did? They just said he has COVID. And he's out there taking pictures with the team and celebrating. Um, and it like turns out that he's down. masked down. Yeah, like, he, like, came out with his mask on. But then, like, when they started taking the pictures, he, like, pulled it down to take the pictures. And it's like, are you crazy? And, like, all these... Yeah, like, and then all of a sudden, all these, all this news came out that like he had gotten in like an uh, an uncertain COVID test, like an inconclusive COVID test at first, and so they tested him again, and then he tested positive, and that's when they pulled him from the game and asked him to isolate, but he just like didn't listen and decided he wanted to be out there to celebrate because he's a selfish prick. So that's what happened, and it's it, it was just like I felt a lot of like emotions like seeing that and it just it felt really like emblematic of how the country is dealing with this pandemic of just like you know I don't like a big shrug emoji more or less of like I don't really care I'll do what I want this is America like it just felt very like that and people there was a lot of back and forth on Twitter and especially in the aftermath after the statements were released by both by the Dodgers Rob Manfred in the commissioner's office and Justin Turner himself. And there was just a lot of like, it was basically the Spider-Man's pointing at each other meme. It was like, yeah, like everybody's deflecting blame at the other party. And I saw a lot of like, well, you know, like baseball should take responsibility. He's just one player. And then I saw a lot of like, well, well, what's baseball supposed to do if Justin Turner wants to do what he wants to do? Personal responsibility. I'm like, why can't it be both? Like they both utterly failed in this situation. Baseball failed to take control of the situation and they failed in this their covid protocols in the first place this isn't just an isolated incident 
They failed altogether to deal with this pandemic properly. And Justin Turner failed to exercise any sort of proper judgment and put his teammates at risk. And they both deserve a massive amount of criticism for how this went down. Like, it's just unconscionably bad. Well, and also, I love how he's like, I just wanted to talk about how I felt. Nobody gives a shit about your feelings, okay? How many people missed weddings? How many people missed funerals? Of How many people missed saying goodbye to loved ones because of this pandemic? But your feelings trump all that, really? Like, because you won the World Series? Again, it's the difference between the haves and the have-nots in this country. Like, the rich can do whatever they want. He gets to celebrate his trophy because it's a once-in-a-lifetime celebration. But the rest of us have to miss graduations. We have to miss weddings. We have to miss funerals. But, and Manfred thinks that's fine because he broke his protocols right in front of his face. Like, Manfred was there and did nothing to stop it. And at the end of the day, Justin Turner, like, is still a World Series champion. I'm sorry. Yeah, I don't think that's going He'll be fine. Yeah. He's getting a ring. It's fine. He gets, to, he gets to be, he should be proud of what he accomplished. But he doesn't have to be out there with his team, taking pictures, all that stuff, to feel proud about what he accomplished. He's going to have plenty emblems to celebrate that. His ring, his, his money. <laughs> he gets to still enjoy his fame and fortune in the end. And it's fine. But again, like, I, it's a pretty flippant, like, way, attitude to deal with this when hundreds of thousands of people have died. When he also, is a fat shithead at a baseball card show in 20 years, he can put World Series champion Justin Turner on his placard, no matter whether he's celebrated or not. Yep. Yep. And also now nine people have tested positive in the Dodgers organization. Congratulations, Oh, it's up to nine Justin. now? Yep. And also, it's like people were like, oh, he was already with them, so it's fine. There were families on the field. There were kids on the field. Right. There were additional people. Like, you can say what you want about his teammates and, oh, they were already exposed, yada, yada. But there were additional people that were exposed in the the celebration. Stadium security. The fans. Literally the fans. fans. But it's not just about. Who shouldn't have been there in the first place? Who shouldn't have been there? Yeah, but were there nonetheless. Yeah. So it's, it's not just about him and his teammates, and they're like, oh, yeah, we wanted him to celebrate with us. But again, where were you, Manfred? You were standing right there. Yeah. It's just yeah. absurd. It's upsetting. It just seems to me like this is such a perfect encapsulation of why we haven't been able to beat this virus. Yep. It's, <laughs> it is is because we think that everything is more important than human life. Business is more important than human life. Normalcy is more important than human life. Uh, you know, revenues from selling fucking hot dogs at the World Series is more important than human life. And I just, I, I, I can't fuck with that. I can't do that. That just seems to me to be so against everything important to me in my life. I can't imagine it, you know. And look, is it a bummer? Yes. And you know who would have had all the sympathy of the universe if he didn't celebrate? Justin Turner. Yep. Every single person would have said, wow, look what a good person he is. He could have violated this this protocol, but he decided for the good of his teammates and the health of the of the people on the field that he was going to not do that. And they would have made a big deal about him next season, and he would have, you know, I'm thinking of, uh, who was it? Who was the player that had the perfect game blown for him by the um, by Jim Joyce, the umpire? The oh, dog, yeah. The, um, the Tiger. Um, oh, oh. I can picture him too. I know, me too. But but like, so when that happened, baseball like got him a Lambo or some shit. Like he got Raga, right? Yes, Galarraga. yes, yes. Thank you. 
Uh, but like baseball presented him with a car the next day, and they did this big deal for him because because there was an injustice perpetrated upon him by the baseball gods. And Justin Turner would have had the exact same thing happen to him if he had been a grown up about it. Yeah, and this is even like, even if he had like. Because basically the implication, and it's and I don't remember, like, which one, if it was, like, Turner himself or, like, who else, but, like, the implication is, like, oh, this COVID outbreak happened is because people left the bubble. And I feel like even if Turner had left the bubble but still stayed isolated in during the World Series, people still would have felt bad for him. Yes. Yeah. Yes. He would have won in the court of public opinion for this for the rest of his career rest of his life he would never as it stands he'll probably never have to buy a drink in los angeles again but if but if he had if he had quote sacrificed his celebration for the good of the people he would be he'd be a folk legend yeah well and then they sent them home it's like why aren't they quarantining for 14 days before you put them on airplanes so they're gonna infect people we'll never even know at this point it's just it's just so depressing. It is. It's it's upsetting. And it's like ugh, this is why we can't have nice things. <laughs> this is why we're not going to have fans in the stands in 2021. Yeah. Like And I don't mean to pull the I'm a dad card because I hate people who do that, but like Justin Turner, you're a grown ass man. Nobody should have to explain to you why you can't do something. Yeah. Literally every day. I have to explain to my kids why we can't be doing the thing they want to be doing right now. Right. Right. Because they're four and eight. Yeah. It's really hard to explain to kids like, no, you can't hang out with your friends. I know it really sucks, but yeah, like it's really hard for kids to understand why you can't. It shouldn't be hard for adults to understand. I don't know. I think kids are handling it better than the adults, honestly. Yeah. to be (laughs) In a lot of ways, I think you're right, Linda. Yeah. Oh it's like it's just it's so upsetting it's so upsetting it that is. like and again like you said linda it's it's the difference between the haves and have nots it's like the rich and powerful can get away with doing this because like who cares they're rich and yeah, there, there was no punishment manfred's not issuing any punishment like he said he was disappointed deeply disappointed yeah great the, that that I'm sure I'm sure Justin Turner is like really upset about yeah that. yeah <laughs> well and I'm with you Brian like it's just getting exhausting just to see how careless we are with human life it it just it wears on you seeing this just every day just like up oh, another hundred thousand cases oh well so uh, about two weeks ago. I had gone with my family to there's a diner in my neighborhood that has a lot of outdoor seating. And so we went for for breakfast on a Saturday. And as I was paying the bill, I asked the owner who was working the register, like, oh, how long are you guys going to keep the outdoor seating up? He's like, well, technically, we have to have it down by November 31st or November 30th, rather. But, you know, this is all going away on the day after the the election. So it's not going to be a big deal anyway. And I was like, please don't say that. I said, well, Cases are high. He goes, yeah, but deaths aren't. You know, this is all going away. And I just feel like as long as there's people who truly believe that this is not a big deal, we're going to keep running into situations like this. Yep. Yep. It's just not going to stop. 
Like, I just talked to my parents today about how my brother decided he's not coming for Thanksgiving, and I don't blame him. Like, yeah, no. and Because my brother, for, for, for reference, my brother lives in Vermont, which is basically, like, the only COVID-free place in the country right yeah. now. Um, and so, like, he is basically like, I am never leaving my house. Like, I am staying here because, like, we have... We have the luxury of being able to live like fairly, like still obviously like masks everywhere, like also like sanitizing hands, everything. But like they have the luxury of actually being able to do some more things than everybody else because they locked it down when they were supposed to, and everyone actually listened. Yeah. And so now, like they have like ma- like I remember like we were there like visiting him back in i can't remember when it was but it was like they had like four new cases that day and i was like oh must be nice yeah yeah i mean we we basically had to decide between do we go for thanksgiving and see my in-laws who are two there's there's two of them but they're both immunocompromised or my mom who lives by herself but is a little bit healthier and we had to like debate this as a couple yeah and and, you know it, it breaks my heart we should be able to see you know if in any other country we could be seeing both of them on Thanksgiving, and it wouldn't be a problem. Yep. It's the same thing with us. We usually go to my aunt's house in New Jersey for Thanksgiving, and with gathering both New York and New Jersey, so no gatherings over 10 people, yeah. we're not going to my aunt's house. So we're just going to do like my immediate family at my mom's house instead. But, yeah, oh, look at that. We're sacrificing instead of just rushing over to see my aunt instead because Thanksgiving's only a a once-in-a-year opportunity. And not only that, Linda, but, like, you know, both of us are talking about things that, like, I I am still nervous about having Thanksgiving with one of these families. Mm -hmm. Like, I still think, even just immediate family, it's still still a somewhat dangerous thing. And I am, you know, I think we're all mourning reality. We're all all mourning normalcy, right? We're We're all mourning tradition and all of that but we're but we're also still trying to be smart about it and i think for some people tradition trumps health and i, I can't fucking understand that i just can't yeah it blows like, my I, mind i went out to eat last friday and i felt guilty like you know it, it, you just it just felt weird and you know if i did have a huge gathering i would never be able to live with myself i would just feel awful and i would feel like you know what if i got somebody sick or you know it's just it just takes just a little bit of consideration for your for your fellow man like your neighbors your friends your loved ones it's really yeah like you said it sucks but how else is it ever going to end? And also, and this any, weird, sorry, Allison, this ahead. weird culture around like sports fans with this and like base, not just baseball fans, like sports fans in general is like, like, I don't think that like, like the idea that like anybody who takes this seriously and thinks that we shouldn't have had the baseball season is being like a big party pooper or something. Like, I still don't think we should have had this baseball season. And no. like, I, I am as like, we are, as dedicated of fans we love baseball as much as anybody that you know but like we also are not ignorant to the reality and we understand that people's lives matter more than this game 
this just strikes me as people who have never had a single thing go wrong in their lives. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, like, so, <laughs> uh, in case anybody is ignorant to my last name, I'm Italian, and uh, Christmas Eve is like the big holiday for my family. It is, there's 40 people around an oversized dinner table, and nobody can hear anything because <laughs> we're all yelling, and you know, it's, it's a stere- it's stereotype junction, is what it is, but I love it. <laughs> and a couple of years ago, both my wife and son got sick on christmas eve they both had a stomach bug and i decided to stay home with them and cook for them and be with them because i felt that it was unfair for me to leave two sick people at home and did it suck yes i kept waiting for like i i really hope my brother would, would would think of us and like drop us off dessert or something it didn't happen sorry mark i love you but you weren't uh you weren't very thoughtful that day. But, you know, like I was just I was wait. But it was this it was this really bad holiday because I missed my family so much. But you know what? I got over it because I'm a fucking adult and yes. I know it'll happen again. <laughs> and that wasn't the last time that family will ever gather. And so just buck up, people. Come on. I'm sorry. I'm getting hot. Yeah. No. no. It's, I had it's exactly stuck. one beer. Call 911. Yeah. Call 911. No, the selfishness is just, it's tiring. Like, like everything we did, like, especially here in New York, how much we all, and New Jersey, how much we all went through and how much we all sacrificed and the rest of the country just spat on it. It's disheartening. And, like, they gave up halfway through. Yep. Like, in New York and New Jersey, the leadership, not the people necessarily, but, like, you know, it's it's frustrating because well, I lived in New Jersey during I was a New Jersey resident during the beginning of COVID and I'm a D.C. resident now. But like it was it was like heartening to watch New Jersey like deal with this and like flatten their curve and like really put it under control, similar to New York City. And then like the second that they got close, they were like, OK, we're done. And they just like started opening everything again. And I was like, no, like it's not how this works. Like, and now it's back to being terrible. And they're, they've given up trying. But yeah, they've, they've given up trying. And like, you know, it's it, the de Blasio tweet today. Oh, got my God. A lot of flack, like, you know, understandably so. Like, it, I think it was Vaz that was like, because it was basically like de Blasio, like, gave some COVID stats, like some, you know, sobering COVID stats and was like, you know, we have to act now to prevent a second wave. And Vaz was like, gee, if only this de Blasio fellow were in a position to act. <laughs> it's like, I know, that exactly. was so perfect. It was a perfect tweet. I was like, exactly. Like, the leadership has been really disheartening. And obviously, it starts from the very top. But hopefully, that will change. Yes. <laughs> administration yeah what a wild day last friday was yes yeah Uh, just just absolutely bonkers um well so because we have combined our our two shows we're going to do both of our sort of last segments uh starting with our music recommendations which is something chris and i do every week so uh do you guys want me to go first to kick this off or or what sure okay you go first all right, so last night, uh, my, my, my poor dog, Buster, all 11 pounds of fury, he, he had some sort of uh, stomach bug, and so he was not feeling well. Oh, and no. So, and he's okay now, but because of that, my wife and I were sort of taking shifts, staying awake to make sure he was going to be okay. 
And so I was uh, scrolling on my phone, as of course you do when you can't sleep. And Facebook blew my fucking mind by recommending a friend to me that I have not seen in 25 years. Somebody I've never emailed with. So I don't know how, I, I didn't know how they knew I knew this person. Turns out we have a mutual friend I didn't know we had in common. But this person was in the first ever band I was in when I was in eighth grade. He was the singer oh and I was my the guitar God. player. Um, <laughs> and so I was thinking about eighth grade and that the first performance I ever had in public was uh, we, we played a Stone Temple Pilots song at Ugh. the Creskill Junior Senior High School Talent Show. And so my pick this week is Stone Temple Pilots Purple, their second album, which to eighth grade Brian would have been like the best album ever made. Um, I, I have not listened to it in a couple of years, but I, I, uh, I, I have a lot of fond memories of it. And I listened to the, the song tonight. It's called Unglued, uh, track 10, I believe, on the album. And uh, it just brought me instantly back to being a really shitty guitar player in a really shitty band. I'm not going to tell you guys the name of the band because it's so embarrassing. Uh, but I will tell you the second name of the band. So we had a shitty, embarrassing name at our first performance. And like a month later, we had our second performance. And the drummer who came up with the first shitty name didn't like it anymore and wanted to give us a second name. And so he wanted the name to be Twisted Fate, which is like the lamest fucking name in the universe. <laughs> but we were playing at this like Armenian church talent show and they fucked it up in the program and wrote it as Twisted Fat, which is even worse of a name. It's, it's just absolutely terrible. So in honor of Twisted Fat, my pick is Stone Temple Violet's Purple. That's amazing. I love that so much. So Allison, what's your music pick tonight? Um. So... I feel like I am going to go. So my my music pick and my I've decided I'm going with the music pick I thought I was going to go with. So my my music pick and my walk off win are like connected to each other. Do you want to um, go last then? Do you want do you want Linda to go now? Yeah, so you can... I would okay. prefer to go last because I think okay. that they segue. Okay. Okay. So my music pick for this week it's kind of uh, timely. Um, I'm flipping through the channels the other the other day and the movie oh brother where art thou was on very nice and it's such a good movie if you haven't seen it and um yeah they're the album for that i think won like grammys i think it won like i think maybe it even won like for best album or something like music is just amazing it's like old timey and like because it takes place in the 30s so there's a lot of like soulful music and just it's every range that you could possibly think of from the 1930s. And the the um, the main song is Man of Constant Sorrow, which is Jacob deGrom's favorite movie, too. And I feel like Man of Constant Sorrow kind of fits with Jacob deGrom. <laughs> yeah, for real. So that's probably my music for this week because Jake's probably not very happy for this <laughs> right now. He's that always is a fantastic pick, a fantastic movie and album for sure. Yeah, like I, I can't I mean, if you know, even if you don't listen to the album, absolutely watch watch a movie because George Clooney's clearly having the time of his life in the in the main role. Yes, he is. <laughs> Okay, so 
I decided that I will do because my my music pick is connected to my walk off win. I'll do I'll do my a ser- like a more serious music pick and then my silly music pick that's connected to my walk off win. Okay. My actual more serious music pick and this is like this is simultaneously kind of like Linda. It's a soundtrack, so it's also a show recommendation. Um, it, so Michael and I recently watched after we finished rewatching Avatar: The Last Airbender and The Legend of Korra on Netflix, which we are huge fans of, and they the, both those shows hit Netflix recently, so it gave us an excuse to rewatch it. For Avatar, I think it was, like, my, like, fifth rewatch of that series, but I had never rewatched Korra before, so that was good, and we enjoyed that, but then afterwards, we were like, what do we watch now? Because we like to have, like, a mix of something, like, more lighthearted to pair with, like, the more serious TV show we're watching to sort of be, like, you know, if we need a break from, like, the heavy stuff that we're watching or the drama, we can, like, watch a cartoon or something. Um, so we had been, like, going through, like, things, like, basically an article that was, like, things that you'll like if you like Avatar The Last Airbender. Um, and what came up was, the first thing that came up was The Dragon Prince, which is a show that was the creators of Avatar, one of the creators of Avatar The Last Airbender is, is involved in. And so I was like, yeah, heck yeah, let's watch this show. And first of all, I loved this show. Um, it was great. So I highly recommend the show, especially if you're into like cartoons and fantasy um, and things. Um, highly recommend The Dragon Prince. But one of the things about the show that I didn't expect that I would really love is the soundtrack. It's very beautiful. So like I recommend that you listen to the soundtrack on Spotify or wherever you get your um, music from. It's really, really good. Um, it's really beautiful. Um, it's composed by Frederick Weidman. Weidman? I don't exactly know how to pronounce it, but it's awesome. Um, it's just so peaceful. I really enjoy listening to it in a, in a similar way that I enjoy listening to the Harry Potter soundtrack. Um, it just makes me feel like very at peace and calm and it's like very calming music. So I really recommend that. Um, my silly music pick is a song that uh, it turns out, and I didn't actually know this. I'm kind of embarrassed that I didn't know this, but this, this song was originally composed back in 2016 when the 2016 election happened um and it is a song called ftd which stands for fuck donald trump um and it's i i didn't know about it until like the most recent election happened um and they announced the result and obviously like everyone in dc was very happy with that result and so I was, um, and this is kind of what my walk-off win is, is that my parents came down to D.C. and it's the first time that I've seen them since I'm, since, uh, since first time they came down to D.C. since I moved here. So um, they helped me move, but then subsequently. So it was nice to see them and it was, it, the timing was really good because they were coming down to belatedly celebrate my birthday, but it turned out to be the morning that they called the election. And so it was kind of like a very jubilant, like, celebratory environment in the city and so we were like walking around the city not like not not in the most crowded areas because I was like you guys it's still COVID I know we're really excited but uh I don't feel comfortable being in this crowd right now um but we still went like kind of to the monuments and I got to show my parents like the capitol building and everything um and we're walking around and everybody's really happy and then (laughs) Because people are, like, driving by and honking their horns and everyone's cheering, someone drove by and was, like, absolutely blasting this song out of their window. (laughs) And it was 
hilarious and I was like I've never heard this before and I looked it up and I was like oh this is from 2016 and Michael was like how have you never heard this song before and I was like I don't know but it's incredible so I highly recommend you listen to it if you have not listened to it before I'm not going to repeat a lot of the lyrics but (laughs) they're really good I'm just gonna say Um, it's a really good song and um, we uh, Michael and I indulged in some listening to it later in the evening but it was you know it was just a nice it was just a nice evening like my parents came to celebrate my birthday my 30th birthday so we were already like so in a celebratory mood and it like we had more than one reason to celebrate um because the election was finally called in favor of joe biden obviously i like not to get too too political on the pod i know that joe biden has his flaws and he's definitely not perfect but um as a blue hen i'm pretty proud um (laughs) and i know that you know at least it's a stepping stone to something better after what our country has gone through for the past four years. So we kind of said this about, you know, the administration and both the Mets, like there's adults in the room now. Yeah. At least there are adults. And like, I I think like primarily as a scientist, it was just like, you know, at least maybe this guy won't fire Anthony Fauci. Like at least we have somebody who trusts experts leading the helm here. Yeah, that's a big plus. Yeah. Absolutely. So that's my walk-off win in combination with my other music pick. <laughs> Linda, what's your walk-off win? My walk-off win is something similar. Um, you know, I was at work on Saturday when the news came down that Pennsylvania was called. Um, so, you know, my mom's from Philly. I have a lot of family in Philly and, you know, just seeing all the celebrations like around the country, like it felt like I cried driving home from work just to, you know, it gave me hope again. Um, not to get again, not to get too political, but, you know, just that this country can stand up and say, no, like none of this is normal. None of that was right. And you know, just to see the joy come back. Like, that's what democracy is. Um, and, you know, but I know, again, Kamala's not perfect, but I have a niece, and she's seven years old. And my sister told her this is the first time um, a woman is going to be vice president. And she goes, oh, my gosh, no way. That's so cool. Like, just to see how excited she got. And then my boss... Um, she has a, a daughter who's the same age as my niece and <laughs> she had the best reaction like she told her you know this is a historical moment this is the first woman who is the vice president and her response was well what took so long awesome <laughs> and I was like I have the exact same question Violet what did take so long um, so you know like just Kamala and her saying I might be the first but I'm not going to be the last like knowing that my niece is seeing this and other little girls are seeing this it's just it's such a, like an unbelievable feeling um I don't even know if it's sunk in like there's a woman in the White House and she's second in command and it's just it's just a truly awesome feeling for for women everywhere 
and for women of color too. I I mean, I don't want to speak for them. I can't, I can only imagine what it feels like for them. So that's my walk off win is what took so long, but it did finally happen. And it's, and it's an amazing feeling. And during the victory speech, um, and it was also really special that I got to watch that with my parents. Um, but like during the victory speech, the way that she spoke directly to young people and yeah. to children was really special. The way she was like, you know, now you know you can dream as big as you want to yeah. dream. And that was yeah. really, really nice to hear. <laughs> yeah, I was sitting on my couch with my kitten crying. So I had the opposite experience. I was not with family. <laughs> I was like, Maddie, look, it's a woman on TV. <laughs> yeah, it was cool. It was cool. It was very cool. So my daughter is eight. And so uh, she remembers the 2016 election. And uh, I remember going to bed that night, like two in the morning, and just dreading having to tell her what happened the next day. And so the next morning, uh, I was crying talking to her. And I said, you know, it it didn't happen. And she burst into tears. And she said, there's never going to be a lady president ever. And I was like, no, no, that's not true. I was like, I was like, we're going to make sure you and me, we're going to make sure that's not true. Like, we're going to, you know, we're going to fight. We're going to make sure this happens. And so, you know, I, she when we told her about, about Kamala Harris, she was like, well, why isn't she running for president? And we're like, well, it's a complicated question. But, you know, it's like, but she maybe was, next time. Yeah. Next yeah. Time. But, but, but she was she was she was very happy as well. So it just it makes me makes me very proud that, you know, again, like you, you, you want to raise your kids with the idea that they can do anything mm-hmm. and it, it, to have actual empirical evidence of that is a, is a lovely thing. So. And we've said it on the sh- on our show. Representation matters. One hundred percent. It makes it so tangible now for these girls. Yes. In in that this is not my walk off win, but Jill Biden is the first Italian American in the White House. So representation does matter, even down to Italian Americans. So <laughs> there we go. Um, <laughs> but no. So uh, my walk off win is actually it's about my daughter though. So um, as as Linda and Allison know. But the listeners may not. I am an avid reader. My wife and I are both big, big yes. readers. And uh, our daughter is a, a crazy big reader. She gets a book from the library and she finishes it that day. That's just like yes. that's how she is. And so we got the email yesterday that she has been accepted into the gifted and talented English program at her school. Oh, my God. And so it just makes me very, very happy that she not only loves to read, but that she's applying herself in school. Because I think, you know, I, I think for, for so many of us, elementary school was was a time before life got complicated at least for me when i think about elementary school i love to learn and i love to read and i just had such joy in getting books from school and just devouring them and so seeing her do that and seeing her apply herself is just awesome and so i'm very proud of her and so my walk off win is amelia getting into the the gifted and talented program at her school yay congratulations amelia that's awesome amelia great job yeah she's great she uh, she read me like uh, two chapters of a Nancy, Nancy Drew book tonight. So nice, good Nancy choice. Drew's awesome. Yes, that's a very good choice. Yeah, she uh, she's the best. She was she was almost Amelia Shea, but then her initials would be ASS. So mm. she, she, she's Amelia Rose, but she's she's deeply she's, unfortunate. Yeah, yeah that would have been not great. Yeah, yeah, she loves the Mets though. She's great. But Amelia Shea is still very pretty. Oh no, yeah, Amelia yeah. Rose is very pretty too. Yeah. She's uh she's the best. But anyway, thank you guys for listening to this this joint podcast. We we should do this again sometime. This was a lot of fun. It was. Yeah, for sure. I enjoyed yeah. hanging out with you guys. 
So um, if you uh, need to find out more about the Mets, because I, I, I presume you know where to go, but if you don't, AmazingAvenue.com is that place. We have been doing some pieces on extension candidates. We've been covering the news. We are, as of tomorrow, voting on the AAOP, the Amazing Avenue Off-Season Plan Contest. So there'll be lots and lots of good stuff in the next few weeks while hopefully lots of exciting Mets news is breaking. So go to AmazingAvenue.com. Go to Amazing Avenue on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Amazing Avenue. Follow us there. Uh, You can get this show from Apple Podcasts, from Stitcher, from Spotify. If there's podcasts there, you can probably find this show there. Uh, You can follow all three of us on Twitter. Uh, Ladies, what are your Twitter handles? At Linda Servich. At Petite PhD. And I am at Brian Needs a Nap. And so, Allison, we have to double team this one. So I'm going to start. So until next time, let's go Mets. And don't forget, there is no crying in contact.